Hello and welcome to the Vaporwave News Network, a bi-weekly podcast about the contemporary vaporwave scene. We feature news, discussion, and current trends, as well as reporting on upcoming releases and events in the vaporwave, future funk, and adjacent communities. I'm your host, Alex, aka Trucks Passing Trucks. I run Pacific Plaza Records in addition to DJing and booking events over my past six years of being involved in the vaporwave community. Welcome to Vaporwave News Network. It's episode three, covering the first half of June 2023, over 10 years since the birth of this genre and scene. I'm going to talk about a bunch of things that have been happening in our vapor world lately. But first, as usual, what's been going on with me? Summer has started in Southern California, but the weather hasn't quite been reflecting that. Personally, I don't mind the mild weather, and we usually get a decent dose of June gloom anyway. So, you know, for me, I had a bit of change in my work schedule due to summer camp starting, which means when it's hot and I got to be working in a hot building all day, that's kind of uncomfortable. So I'm, I'm happy for the cool weather for now, especially when I'm soldering with a 900 degree soldering iron. It can be a little rough. So the cool weather's fine with me. And I'm trying to be flexible with my podcast release dates and take it easy on myself. So... Thank you for being patient for this episode, and you know, it's going to be an insanely busy summer. So what have I been listening to lately? Well, initially I was kind of struggling a bit to figure out what I've been listening to a lot lately, because honestly, most of my listening has been for the podcast or stuff on my label. But when I was driving up to LA recently, I was showing my girlfriend a group from Sweden called JJ, who were active during like that Swedish indie pop revival that sort of went rogue with electronic influences uh, back in the late 2000s, early 2010s, under the auspices of the Sincerely Yours label, a label with music that would go on to have a big influence on Young Lee, Suicide Boys, Drain Gang, and was a huge inspiration for the Year 001 label. What I recommend is that you check out their album, JJ Number 2, which is stylized N0 period 2. So JJ Number 2. It's Balearic Beats meets ephemeral indie pop and woozy 2000s hip-hop and EDM. It presages and is a much more emotional and artistic version of kind of like that tropical house thing that would spawn in the wake of the Balearic revival of the late 2000s and you know tropical house became a big thing in the early 2010s so check out that album check out that band sorry for the long spiel there but i really love this album and i love this group so do yourself a favor and listen to their whole catalog now it's been pretty quiet on the events front out here in southern california but that is about to change as you'll hear and i did actually get out and do some visuals recently for some young local bands and you know it's always interesting to see what the next generation of rock and rollers are getting influenced by and i'm preparing for a few shows coming up myself including multiple dates for sweat dot biz this summer and a big show in la for yoitoki on july 1st more on that later but enough about what i've been doing what's been happening in the vaporwave scene in the last two weeks i'm gonna start off with some gigs move on to my usual segments here, and then we'll get to our main topic after all of that good stuff. Live shows. There actually hasn't been too many, but Vapor Space did have a doubleheader out in St. Louis with a Friday night gig and a Saturday afternoon kickback. They had the Vapor Goth Dance Party and Vapor Bazaar events, respectively. Yoitoki was up in San Francisco at the Rickshaw Stop back on June 10th with Fantacat, and... 
you know, I'm not sure there was much else. There's some uh, URL things to mention, but like I said earlier, early June's a bit quiet. <laughs> earlier, early, too funny. Anyways, but I think that's because people are building up for some big things later this summer and fall. On the URL front, we had Hot Takes hosting Luxury Noise, Luxury Aesthetics with DJ Non did an episode called Breaks.net, which was definitely an inspiration and helpful for my main topic today. Shouts out to DJ Non as always. I appreciate you appreciating me on your show. So back at you. And then Luxury Elite hosted a Neon Nights episode on June 6th that featured friends and family over the show on YouTube. It was a big one. People really loved it. There was another URL event, a three-day streaming event hosted by Skyline Tapes. It had a bunch of big-name headliners you know, we saw in a lot of different gigs during the pandemic and some smaller artists from their catalog. The VODs are still up on Twitch at twitch.tv slash skylinetapes. On the podcast front, we had Night Clerk, who did an excellent episode on Signal Wave. One of my favorite parts of the podcast was a great point one of them made about younger people not experiencing static noise as part of their normal media consumption. Thus, static is like a bit of a foreign thing for them and a signifier they can play with in signal wave collages. Really interesting stuff, and it's a bit deep into the episode, that part, but it's totally worth the listen, so go check that out. Night Clerk Radio. Other news items and loose ends from last week's topic. The creator of the Atex video responded to some of my comments and messaged me about the episode, which was super awesome. Thank you. And we're going to try and set up an interview for a future podcast and chat about it. So again, if you haven't watched the video called Decoding the Secret Language of Vaporwave on the Yay Text YouTube channel, please go check it out. The video deserves so many more views. It really deserves to get picked up by the algorithm and blasted in front of people. It's a new wave of Vaporwave documentary that I really appreciate. And then, of course, the Vaporwave and Future Funk editorial playlist on Spotify have not been updated since uh, November 4th. Again, Spotify, if you need a curator, hit me up. Or if anyone knows who, I can like email about that tell me. <laughs> there was also two tour announcements, and I'm going to get to that in the next segment of the show here. Upcoming shows. I'm going to begin with the URL and then move on to the IRL. And of course, we have, as I've been mentioning for a couple weeks now, Helios 3 on July 22nd and 23rd on Ming Curry's Twitch channel. Over 120 musical artists, assuming they all submit their stuff. 36 visual artists, over 40 hours of performances. I mentioned that I'm working on a visual set for someone for that gig. And the dates for turning in your set are coming up. So if you are listening to me right now and you need to turn in a set for that show, get on it. Do it. Neon Nights, hosted and curated by Luxury Elite, will be having another late June episode, I'm sure. And actually, there was just one the other day on the 15th, but I didn't really catch it and get to it in time for our show outline. But coming up next week, we have Hot Takes, who will be having Data Girl on their show on Monday, June 18th. So tune into that over on Twitch. For IRL, we got like a whole slew of shows finally being announced. And I'm going to put a little like warning here at the beginning. This is my own personal opinion. Even though some people are going to encourage you to travel to some of these smaller shows that are happening, more things are coming more bigger things are coming and there's going to be a lot of things taking off in different parts of the country you won't have to travel as far starting this summer and this fall you know be on the lookout there's a lot of things coming to smaller regions of the u.s 
Canada, and even people like Lost Traveler putting on international shows in South America. And the first show I'm going to mention here coming up in late June is actually a show in South London being thrown by My Pet Flamingo with their sister label and Future Sound's Patrick Fakeman. It is on June 17th and it's called Miami 89 and it's going to be at off the cuff in South London. It's mostly a synthwave kind of show, but it's got some DJ sets from the team behind uh, the gig that's putting together, my pet Flamingo guys and Patrick Fakeman. And the folks from Space Jams, who are super awesome, have had a bunch of Vaporwave and Future Funk people on their radio show. So it's Vapor adjacent. Go check that out if you are in London on June 17th. And one more note about Space Jams. They're dropping a Vaporwave Zero DJ mix I made soon. I'm so excited about that. I can't hold that any longer, so I'm going to drop that little tidbit there. On to our other shows. On June 18th, Sweat.biz is back at the Whistle Stop in San Diego. It's a Sunday night show. On June 23rd, Yoitoki's in Seattle at El Corazon with Fantacat. June 23rd, we also have, on the other side of the country, Nostalgia Salon doing their Vice City show in New York City at 47 Thames Street. On the 24th, we got Crystal Nostalgia in LA with Re, Fantacat, and Ognos. It's going to be a really fun one. You'll see Pacific Plaza tabling there as well. June 24th, we also have Yoitoki in Las Vegas at Area 51. On the 30th, we got another doubleheader in two different parts of the country. We got Yoitoki at the Masquerade doing a Future Funk Rave in Atlanta. And then up in upstate New York, Troy, New York, we have B-Side and Dreamhole doing a show that's featuring Power, PCME, and Vape Air headlining at No Fun, which, as I mentioned, is in Troy, New York. That's upstate. On July 1st, we have Yoitoki in LA at, at a venue called Don Quixote with me as the special guest, Trucks Passing Trucks. You can still go get tickets for that online. And if you show up early, you might be able to get in with the free RSVP. On July 8th, we have Saguaro Funk in Phoenix, and they're going to be hosting special guest Frank Javsey. July 14th, we got Yoitoki in Baltimore at the Baltimore Soundstage with Fiber. And I think on July 14th, there's also a special release show for Simple Syrup, who I'll be mentioning in our next upcoming section. From July 20th until July 30th, we have Vape Error going on his summer splash tour, hitting up parts of the Southwest and the Midwest. So that's going to be one of our first two tour announcements. And the last day for the Southwest in that tour is going to be down in San Diego at Sweat.biz for Comic-Con weekend. That's July 23rd. So Sweat.biz. I think it's back at the Whistle Stop for Comic-Con weekend. Fate Bear is the special guest. On the 29th, we have Yoitoki in Pontiac, Michigan at the Crowfoot Ballroom. And we also have Across the Lake over in Wisconsin, Midwest Aesthetic throwing their summer synapse show. It's almost like a mini festival, really, in Madison, Wisconsin, at the High Noon Saloon with Luxury Elite, A Hero, Vape Air, Fire Tools, Van Gogh, Simple Syrup, Young Shiro, and more. Getting into August, we'll do a little bit of August here. We have on August 5th, my label, Pacific Plaza, presenting a lineup of friends and family for free out on the streets of downtown Santa Ana in Orange County for the monthly downtown Santa Ana Art Walk. Data Girl, Earthboy Advance and the Booty Wizard will be playing some music alongside myself for free out on the streets from 6 p.m. until 10 p.m. So that's Saturday, August 5th. I'm so excited about that. We're going to bring out some crazy visual stuff, some video installations. We're going to have merch and there's a cool sound system out on Sycamore and 2nd Street. So it's going to be really fun. Last but not least, 
The biggest Vaporwave tour announcement of the year just dropped over on 100% Electronica. We have George Clanton, Death's Dynamic Shroud, and Frost Children going on tour together in support of George's new album. They're going to be doing this crazy thing all across the U.S. and parts of Canada from September 13th until October 26th. It is going to be so cool. Uh, tickets are already on sale. You should go get some if you want to make sure you will be there. This has got to be one of the biggest Vaporwave tours of the year. And it's interesting. It's got Frost Children on it, too, who kind of bring some of that hyper pop energy and uh, sort of a notorious Dime Square scene vibe. So that should be a pretty wild thing going on. And I imagine it's going to get some interesting tour coverage and media coverage. So we'll see. One thing I'll say is interesting that uh, there wasn't an NYC date on that tour flyer that they posted. So hopefully there's still some big announcements to come. I'm waiting. I think it's, I think it's possible. Anyhow, if you have upcoming events you want to be featured on the show, please submit them over on our link tree. Our submission forms can be found via links in the bio, all that good stuff. If you want to just type it in, it's linktr.ee slash Vaporwave News Network. For our next section, we have upcoming and current releases. And I'm going to try and get through this a little bit quicker and then mention some other releases and announcements of note before we get onto our main topic today. Starting with the first release I'd like to feature, we have Macro Blank, who dropped a new album called Solstice. It is a Barber Beats style album, but it's a bit, bit more refined. There's no Barber Beats tag on the Bandcamp, but it is tagged Soundtrack, and it does have some very cinematic moments, like the song Sacred Roots. I really appreciate Macro Blank's production style. It feels dense, but it still has that mellow and syrupy vibe of Barber Beats, the chill out vibe. And maybe like dense isn't the right word, but the use of compression to get like a bold sound on the drums, the bass lines and the samples is really fantastic. And it really lets you hear the nuances of the sound and immerse yourself in the tracks. The diversity of breaks and beats is really appreciated as well. There is clearly work being put into finding variations and rhythmic details that set each song and the beat of each song apart from kind of like the stock breaks that appear in genres like jungle, drum and bass, or trip hop. The album serves up a variety of emotions from its palette of beats, never staying in the dark or meditative light for too long. At moments it veers towards vapor funk, but generally maintains the chilled out atmosphere that Barber Beats are known for. My second release here is by Corrupt Save. It's the album Errata that was released on Business Casual. This artist made a splash with their previous album, Ethernet Cafe, which was also released on Business Casual. And they're back for another round on the iconic label. They bring that classic style of plunderphonic vaporwave with chops of 80s synth funk and soul. It's definitely recommended for fans of vapor funk. And the strength of this album, in my opinion, really lies in the second half, where it kind of shifts from a sentimental mood to a more blissful summer vibe. So if you like the more mid-tempo and groovy works of like Tupperwave or maybe Cat Corpse Blue album, the one that was like originally a collab album with Telepath, if you like the Cat Corpse side of that album, you'll dig this. It's only 10 tracks with only one of those tracks, the album Closer, being longer than four minutes. And you know what that final closer? It's a good mix of the bliss and the wistfulness of the two sides of the album and it definitely deserves its full five minute run length. So cassettes are still available on Business Casual and Corrupt Save is actually cooking up a visual album slash compilation for us here at Pacific Plaza. 
And that's going to be a compilation of music videos, curated animations, and GIFs covering tracks from his previous release and this new album. So look out for that on our label later this summer. The third release and final release I have is Voyage Future in Constant Change, released by Villain. You can get it over on their website, motherboard.com. And this is the secondary addition to his recent double album, Wellin, which came out back in April. Obviously, you're going to want to check out Wellin. It is a gorgeous work of ambient music and dream punk. But this new release starts off kind of light and mysterious with sounds that remind me of like early to mid 2000s new age ambient music that's sort of been like whittled away and it continually turns darker as this album progresses. Villain describes this as a glitchy work from the artist. And while people usually think of kind of like chaos or signal wave when they hear glitchy, this plays out more like a meeting of echo jams and chopped up disintegration loops. There's a gentle warmth to some moments, but there's also brittle loops in the hiss of degraded tape. It's really a fitting follow-up to Wellen, which kind of showcases a different side of the artist. And as it is with most <laughs> villain releases, it's sold out upon pre-order, but I'm sure they're going to repress it, and they'll probably repress it alongside the main album, Wellen. So go check out that on their website or on Bandcamp. Some other announcements and releases of note, Shatterfoil Industries has released Economy Class by the artist whose name translates to Cicada's Long Summer on cassette. Pause and Reflect Music released Infinite Helicopters by Automaton Concepts. Business Casual has their June lineup out and it includes three more releases besides the Corrupt Save album. Telenite's Summer Days, which is on June 9th. Ghost Memory Cyber Drive on June 16th. Non-Binary Love, with their album Death on June 23rd and Maggie.Wave with a new album called Rainbow Smears on June 30th. So I guess that's actually four more releases. <laughs> Anyhow, Ognos has a new EP called Gilded Sentience, which is coming out on my label, Pacific Plaza. That's going to be on June 23rd. It's going to be six tracks on the cassette version. And you can actually check out the new single on Spotify as well as a remix that NRail did. And that remix is also going to be on the cassette. So if you like the remix, you're going to want to get the cassette too. Ognos is going to be playing Crystal Nostalgia on June 24th, as I mentioned. So come on out if you're in SoCal and we're going to save some tapes to sell live at the show. Darian Shields also released a new album called A Slash B. We did that as a little surprise digital release on my label, Pacific Plaza, continuing our longstanding relationship with Darian Shields. And it's a digital download only album. Plus, you can find it on streaming services. A Hero announced his new album, Thunder and Rain, which comes out on Stratford Court on June 30th, and that's going to be available on cassette and vinyl. So go check out the new singles he's been releasing in the last couple weeks. Simple Syrup also announced a new album, Bloom, which comes out on Business Casual on July 14th, which is actually my birthday. So I'm stoked to get some new Vaporwave Zero on my big special day, which is awesome. I also mentioned there's going to be a release show for that, which I think that was just recently announced. Go look up the details. I don't have them offhand. If you have any upcoming releases to send to us for coverage, please go to our link tree and use the upcoming release submission form. Priority is given to new releases, and we typically aren't super interested in reissues or things that were just in our previous podcast cycle. So please note, if your album is also not publicly announced by the time I do the voiceover, it's probably not going to be featured because I don't want to preempt labels announcements. Okay. On to our main topic today. (music) 
So I had to think about this a little bit because I've been going over different ideas and kind of wanted to talk to some different people about recent things like the Yay Text video. But there's been a lot going on in the world of breaks and breakbeats over the last year or two. And I thought it would be interesting to talk about the intersection of vaporwave and breaks. There is a lot to cover with this topic, especially with the current resurgent and break-based music throughout the electronic music scene and in mainstream music. But I'm going to do my best to do a breakdown of the different vapor-adjacent subgenres that stem from 90s drum and bass, jungle, and video game soundtracks from the 90s and 2000s, such as racing games and Jet Set Radio Future. I also sent some questions to producers in the scene who have featured breaks in their music. I was lucky enough to receive some responses, including one from George Clinton that had a bevy of information, as well as thoughts from a few different people in the scene about the current state of breaks in Vaporwave. And one thing I'd like to pair with this discussion is a piece by Kat Zhang that was published on Pitchfork back in 2021, which discusses, quote, the rising Zoomer affinity for UK club music. There's a link in the description if you want to go read it. Okay, with that thesis out of the way, I'm going to structure this around four main subgenres or movements that are within the vapor sphere that either slow down or use breaks at traditional tempos. These include barber beats, breakcore, drum bass or jungle influence vapor, which I'm going to kind of call vapor breaks to encompass both styles, and then slow down breaks in vaporwave a la George Clanton and Satin Sheets or the vaporwave zero generation of up and coming producers. I'll try to briefly discuss each of them, mention some releases, and share some thoughts from other producers and myself, as well as kind of define them as best I can, starting with the first one. The past few years has seen a steady proliferation of a quote-unquote new subgenre of vaporwave that currently tops the Bandcamp charts and moves massive amounts of vinyl, despite being largely off Spotify and only promoted in very low-key ways plundering and creating a holistic aesthetic vibe for each release. From the iconic duotone album art to the mysteriously named songs, the subgenre of barber beats continues a lineage from the very earliest days of sample-based vaporwave. This subgenre or aesthetic and sonic movement is dubiously named after the style's originator, Haircuts for Men. The Haircuts for Men releases from 2015 and 16, like the Realized Too Late LP, Grief of Devastation, and Marble Fantasy albums are some of the early releases that were tagged with Jazz Wave and set the template future producers would follow and evolve or iterate on. One thing that I think helped propel some of the Barber Beats hype, besides the original drama over the name, was the reissue of Marble Fantasy by Aloe City and Realized Too Late being reissued by My Pet Flamingo. You know, previously, Barber Beats have been the provenance of smaller labels, including the cancelled Hollow Jams. But after Aloe City, who came roaring back after their hiatus in 2017-18, started working with many of these rising producers from the scene, other labels started snatching up back catalog to reissue on cassettes and vinyl. Since then, the Barber Pull hasn't stopped spinning. There are tons of new releases coming out every month, many of them by the same cast of producers, people like Macroblank, Oblique Occasions, Monodrome, Machina Pesant, Rom Breaker, Message Mulator, aka Manicures, Modest by Default, aka Gandema, Darkness, and like so many more. And you know, Barber Beats isn't exactly like classic vapor and late night lo-fi. It's definitely got a different sort of thing going on. 
While some of the sample selection might overlap with those other subgenres, the Barber Beats producers make sample-based works, or music that's supposed to sound like sample-based music, more on that later. They make it with a chill-out, trip-hop-style breakbeat, and there's a distinct 90s lounge and new age vibe and influence. There's a lot of retro aesthetics, similar to like the acid graphics movement, and a lot of elements of vaporwave aesthetics splashed in bold duo tones or faded Xerox and scanned looking kind of images. The entire package feels dated to a different time and place. It's a nostalgic, but less screwed and less ironic take on slowed and reverbed music. The genre is birthed out of minimalist production aesthetics, something that I briefly and passionately mentioned in our previous episode. Some of the music is minimally edited with only slight tempo changes, some DAW effects, maybe slight rearrangement, but almost always completely new aesthetics surrounding it. The compilation of different tracks into a full album statement is an important element of Barber Beats releases, and it's not necessarily about crafting the perfect singular song. It definitely takes influence from the rise in playlist culture that, you know, it's endemic with streaming services like Spotify and YouTube curators. These are both two places that have played a big rise, you know, in different web-based, internet music-based genres. But YouTube especially has played a big part in the rise of Barber Beats. There are very few releases that hit Spotify, and there's not a lot of good coverage of contemporary offshoots of Vaporwave in the indie or electronic music media. So something like Barber Beats isn't talked about or covered at all. You know, Barber Beats' transmission beyond the vapor and dream punk veil is largely due to its prime algorithmic potential for channels to make their own Barber Beats compilations. But one thing I think that's cool about the compilations and mixes is they sort of remix the tunes from these artists and producers into further plundered works, you know, that they sometimes even find ways to monetize without ads. (laughs) But that's not to mention the bevy of channels striving to upload the latest releases and digital drops that happen mostly over on Bandcamp. So if you want to listen to more Barber Beats, you can check out the artists I mentioned earlier, and you can scroll around the Barber Beats tag on Bandcamp, as well as the Jazz Wave tag. And you know, I didn't even touch on like the jazz influence and the beatnik aspects of Barber Wave, but you know, I could do a whole main topic on this genre, and I probably will in the future when I get some better research and some direct quotes from people. Next up, we have Breakcore, and I'm going to go through this one a little bit quicker since it's not as heavily influential on Vaporwave, but many Vapor artists have dabbled in this new internet-inspired version of Breakcore. It has stylistic similarities and influences from old-school Breakcore in the 90s and 2000s, but this one is definitely like a new thing that's not really an offspring via IRL connections and community lineage. It is a current internet music iteration of Breakcore, it's very chaotic, sometimes violent, and it's an extreme take on break-based music. Tempos are pushed beyond the typical 140 to 160 mark of DMB, but you also get things like unexpected tempo and beat changes, swaying tempos that subtly or maybe not so subtly modulate and freak out on you. And then there's a lot of noise breakdowns and chaotic elements brought in from a lot of experimental musics. There's also some visual style that goes along with this new wave of breakcore, and it leans heavily on internet music aesthetics jacked up with a heavy glitch and violent hand applied to this artwork that is sometimes graphic or triggering. Anime and manga styles are also employed in the visual aesthetics, or in a lot of cases they stand in as avatars for the producers themselves who are sort of pseudo-anonymous in a lot of cases. 
When breakcore like this is not on the dark side of things, it is still very like in your face with bright colors and loud design choices. The music engages with the experimental side of noise and kind of signal wave type interruptions as well as intense manipulations of samples and chops like vaporwave or new world music. It, the music is sort of cinematic but also chaotic and it probes emotional depths that we typically don't see happening in vaporwave. But you know, it is interesting. Uh, some of the producers who answered my questions about breaks and using break beats, like Van Gogh, cited the inherent emotion in using sampled drum breaks, or the emotion in emulating these organic patterns of drummers and then contorting it into your own expression. And I think that's something that's common to all these break-based genres. And breakcore definitely manipulates and changes the break and in a lot of cases hybridizes it with almost like house, juke, and other sort of internet music styles in a big way. However, in the scene, there has been a few problematic producers, uh, especially on the depressive breakcore side of things, but here's some stuff I'll mention even if I don't necessarily endorse it. My number one here is going to be Sierra Mist, who I, I do endorse and I've released music for on my label, but there's other people like Young Lane, there's some of the stuff by Machine Girl that's considered to be breakcore, Ivy Synthetic, there's Yandere for a more like dance music weeb take on it. There was a label called Hypercube Records. They dropped a compilation back in April that you could check out that has a lot of different variety. And then the label Mad Breaks from Mexico. Splitting off from the wild insanity that can be breakcore, we have a more vaporwave influenced and influencing subsect of the breaks resurgence. One that is influenced by drum and bass, ambient jungle, liquid offshoots and atmospheric offshoots of those genres, as well as a heavy dose of soundtrack music from racing games, extreme sports, and the ever-present influence of the British rave scene. As I mentioned earlier, I'm calling this movement the Vapor Breaks subgenre, and it encompasses the more up-tempo music that fuses vaporwave, solar punk, and internet music aesthetics with the nostalgic sounds, patterns, and instrumentations of the previously mentioned types of 90s electronica. Within this subsect, there is a particularly big inspiration from the PS1 era soundtracks and games, which you know makes a lot of sense in the context of it being Vaporwave. Vaporwave has such a big emphasis on consumer culture, and one of the biggest aspects of consumer culture that affected people who grew up in the 90s was video games and the evolution of video games. So many of us think about the evolution of consoles alongside the changes in our own lives. To rattle off some genre names or descriptors that could be applied to these sounds within and outside of the vaporwave scene would be terms like atmospheric drum and bass, ambient jungle, as I mentioned earlier, and I, I kind of like this one, intelligent DMB. That last term there, it describes a quote, dreamy ambient alternative to the harder forms of drum and bass. The intelligent sound initially sprang from the mind of LTJ Bookham and like-minded artists on his good-looking records label. And that's a definition I found from a Red Bull music article back in 2018, actually, that goes through a bunch of different subgenres uh, in the breaks and drum and bass world. So right off the bat, I'd recommend you check out a couple things to get a sense of the sound in its vapor adjacent context. And some of these have been big hits and some of these are new and coming out soon. We have Pizza Hotline with the album Level Select. It's great. It's definitely a standout from this list. The artist System ST91 is another one you can check out. They've been mentioned and recommended by Hot Takes and DJ Non from Luxury Aesthetics Online. There's also the upcoming EP and new single by Ognos that my label is putting out. I mentioned that earlier. 
And then we have US Golf 95's new release, PlayStationJungle.PSX, which I mentioned in our last episode. One of the biggest curators of sound, taking in things from outside of Vaporwave and also digging into the old school forgotten releases of the 90s, is the YouTube channel 4AM Breaks. Scroll through their videos if you want to get a sampling of the spectrum that the vibes in this sort of subgenre encompass and to find even more stuff related to those various terms I mentioned earlier and maybe uh, descriptors of some breaks-based music. On the Vaporwave side of things, the Solar Punk and Solar Trap experiments slide in neatly alongside this Vapor Breaks subgenre, with many artists dipping their toes into the Vapor Breaks aesthetic to participate in compilations for solar-based things on labels like Global Pattern and VA10. They both have great compilations that you can check out, which will have some of this Vapor Breaks sound to it. Now in my final section here, I'm going to sidle back up to classic style Vaporwave and dive a bit into the history of Breaks in Vaporwave especially the slowed down breaks using stuff by artists like George Clanton, Satin Sheets, other old school vaporwave artists, of course, and a generation of young producers inspired by these sounds who, you know, half jokingly have kind of called themselves Vaporwave Zero. And I'm going to start off with a quote from George right at the top here, and then we'll bring in some other opinions and thoughts from other producers and of course myself. So I messaged George and I asked, quote, why do you think we are seeing a rise in the use of breaks, slowed down, or at the usual DMB jungle tempos in the vaporwave scene? Now I'm going to start with this first question because I think it helps illuminate why George uses breaks and how breaks might fit into other producers' stories and tastes in music. So I quote, his response was, Breakbeats speak to me because jungle is the best genre, and my love for it started very early when I was nine when Prodigy's Fat of the Land came out, which became my favorite record. The first music I would be able to record was using Sonic Foundry Acid with so-called acid loops I would find online and download on our modem in 2000 and the early 2000s. So this response made me think back to my early interfacings with DAWs and when I was making music as a youngster, you know, the importance of loops for the post 2000s generation of home recordists and people using, you know, the original iterations of programs like Acid Foundry, GarageBand, Fruity Loops, and more, that's going to that's going to have a profound impact on millennial producers as well as upcoming Gen Z producers. You know, not even to mention the app-based music programs that at their simplest are basically just like ultra-limited loop arrangers, which so many kids get to play around with on telephones, or I should say smartphones. And this is a really personal form of nostalgia from George, but it extrapolates to a much larger sentiment of nostalgia that drives the Vaporwave scene and the current Vapor Breaks and Vaporwave Zero producers. Like I mentioned with video games, there's definitely nostalgia in some of these soundtracks and sounds people heard as children. And I'm just going to put it out there, a lot of people have mentioned Vaporwave as a very millennial genre. Millennials grew up with some of these sounds as kids and maybe didn't quite fully understand them. But now, as more grown up and experienced music listeners, they can revisit it with a much deeper appreciation. And I think that's pretty cool because, you know, George kind of talks about this a little bit because he further elaborated, quote, I think I was drawn to Vaporwave in many ways for the same reason I was attracted to Jungle. Superficially, there are parallels with the way the sampling process makes things sound. Bit crush pads, nostalgic sounds. Spiritually, there's also a connection. Somehow, Shoegaze, Jungle, and Vaporwave have something in common in the frequency they put in your brain. I can't describe it, but they are related. And those three genres that he mentions 
are those prime 90s genres that I think people maybe didn't fully understand as youngsters and now have really become able to appreciate. And because the internet makes everything so available, that next generation has been able to consume it their whole lives. And so they love breaks and they've been able to be inspired by breaks at an even younger time in their life and really do it in a cool and interesting way. So for these releases like Pizza Hotline, US Golf, Ognos' Gilded Sentience, they're making a direct connection to video game systems and sounds from their childhood, which is a common theme in Vaporwave and the wide array of video game inspired music in the community, I, I would say speaks for itself. People find comfort in the utopian bliss of gaming, so it's not surprising we see those racing game themes come up blatantly or obliquely in releases like Cloud Zero by a Hero. Some of the producers I reached out to, especially the ones on the younger side, repeatedly mentioned the life and emotion found in sampling breakbeats or coming up with your own breakbeats. For instance, a hero told me, quote, They have more life in my opinion. They're a lot more fluid and they have a lot of room to evolve and change throughout a song without it getting repetitive, unquote. The reanimation of the beat and evolution of rhythm with contemporary music technology is an interesting form of, like, resurrection giving a new life to the music. And breakbeat influenced music certainly has been gaining a new life in the consciousness of the up and coming generation of music lovers and ravers. An interesting aside for myself that goes back to the Barber Beats discussion is that when I listen to like original or sample free Barber Beats, I don't, I don't quite get the same feeling as the sampled ones. I, I almost feel like I can tell when it's not sample based and maybe that's not always in a good way. You know, like some of the stuff on Spotify labeled Sample Free Barber Beats, it kind of makes me feel that way. I've listened to some of that and I'm like, mm, there's something different. You know, I, I can't quantify it or say I've done like listening tests to see if I can pick out which are sampled and unsampled. But, you know, I have had the experience of looking up the details on a Barber Beats album to find myself unsurprised it's sample free. But back on topic, Van Gogh also said, what I love most about using breaks in my music is slowing them down and combining them into something entirely new. It can help create the backbone of some really creative and emotional drums, unquote. And while it's not a new concept to use breaks in Vaporwave, this new generation producers are bringing more emotion to their Vaporwave, and they seem to draw a lot on these breakbeats, the 90s inspiration, and utilize the atmosphere of sampled music that reimagines new places for Vaporwave to go as a genre and new places for the listener to travel in their nostalgic re-memories. I can't quite put a date or specific release down as like the first Vaporwave inspired heavily by Breakbeats album, and it kind of seems like a fool's errand to search for that. Inevitably, someone's going to find like a small album or a lost release that like heavily dips into breaks, but I'm going to bring back a final quote from George, who I'm going to kind of credit for popularizing the slowdown breakbeat. And... You know, that was kind of followed up by his peer and collaborator, Satin Sheets, who I think was another big influence on this as time passed. And their use of SP-303 and 404 samplers were crucial to their compositions of sample-based material, which, you know, we see in the iconic collaborative video performance. Breaks are perfect to work for something like that. So, George cheekily told Vaporwave News Network, quote, As a narcissist, I would like to take credit for the use of breaks in Vaporwave, dating back as early as Esprit's Peter.Wave. But I think the truth is that it's just following the trend of music everywhere adopting breaks, unquote. And while I think the adoption of breaks in mainstream genre crossovers like wasn't as prevalent in 2013 and 14 when George dropped the legendary Virtua.zip album, his presence and continued exploration of the breakbeat 
has undoubtedly influenced Vaporwave over the past nearly 10 years since that album's release. So I was thinking about how I was going to like wrap this segment up, and I decided to return to the article written by Kat Zhang that I referenced earlier. And it actually sent me down a rabbit hole that connected Pink Panthers, Lil Death, Imogen Heap, Fru Fru, Little B, and all the way back to Clams Casino's I'm God and the Cloud Rap movement, which was, you know, a genre that synthesized in the internet music stew of the late 2000s and early 2010s, you know, alongside Chillwave, Witch House, Sea Punk, and eventually Vaporwave. With the current cultural moment experiencing a drum and bass revival, it's not surprising we see it in Vaporwave, but upon finishing that article by Kat Zhang, I can't help but quote its almost predictable conclusion to the hybridization of retro genres in contemporary music. I quote, Fidelity to one sound or cultural ecosystem is a thing of the past, and the future hinges on endless collisions and recombinations. Very fitting for Vaporwave as well. And last but not least, we have one of my favorite segments. This week in Vaporwave history, I'm going to talk about two albums. I'm going to ask if someone can send me an album that I haven't been able to find, and then we're going to wrap it on up and head out of here. So, this week in Vaporwave history, in light of his recent tour announcement, it is quite fitting that the first album I'm going to talk about is a Vapor Trap and C-Punk classic by Vape Error. Originally released June 2nd, 2014, Manipool steered Vapor Trap into a different direction, away from the leering haze and prickly technological vibes of producers like Blank Banshee, Contact Lens, and Sibaris. This release shaped Vapor Trap with its minimalist comforts and aqueous atmosphere, which contrasts with the pointed beats that are meticulously placed in contrast to the liquid melodies. Manipool does dabble in the technological tropes of early Vaporwave and Vapor Trap, but this album feels more like a tropical vacation, floating and bubbling gently under the cyan waves. Its straightforward elements have been criticized as too simple by some folks, but the economy and mileage each aspect of Vapor's production gets on this album, from the synths to the 808s to the hi-hats, it's squeezed to its maximum potential. It's so thorough in the exploration of these things that I don't think any other albums seem to come close to its perfect synthesis of thematic content and trap-based music production. Like I mentioned earlier, you can catch him on his Summer Splash Tour from July 20th to 30th. The next album I'm going to talk about is Sewer Greats Volume 1, released on June 6th, 2011. And the Sewer Greats compilations kind of came out over the course of a couple months in 2011 and I don't want to cover them like every month coming up for the next couple months so I'm just going to kind of try and do as much as I can here to cover this one because Sewer Greats was a compilation released on sewage tapes and I was able to like dig up a interview with the founder the founder of sewage tapes was Michael Bedoin aka Boy Mountain spelled B-O-I-M-T-N all caps and I found an interview on the Cuddy Spot Tumblr page with him. And he said the compilation came about because, quote, I had an opportunity to team up with Amdisks, really important label, side note, in the beginning years of Vaporwave. I teamed up with Amdisks to release a compilation of internet artists, and I made the Facebook group to keep everything together and to introduce people. These Facebook groups are such an iconic 
such an important gestational place for lots of internet music genres and sort of the aesthetic, the aestheticization, I guess, of music and internet culture, pulling aesthetic signifiers together to recreate new sub-movements and artistic expressions. Now, Sewage Tapes, quote, was a response to James Ferraro's New Age Tapes, a non-existent label on which he released his own music. Now it has become a much larger and multifaceted group, or collective almost. Sewer Greats is the idea of reaching the underground by wading through shit for a while. Needless to say, everyone on both compilations are mad geniuses, unquote. It's kind of hard to find a ton of information about sewage tapes nowadays, but I did find some things on Rate Your Music where people kind of covered why this compilation series was important. So I have a quote from a Rate Your Music list author named Ouch42, and it says, The Sewer Greats compilation series are a five-volume piece highlighting a huge amount of underground internet artists, a majority who would later become bigger artists such as Kitty, formerly known as Kitty Pride, Vectroid, under Laserdisc Visions, Ultra Demon, under Fire for Effect, Main Attractions, Supa Sorta Human, Denzel Curry, Raw Thrills, IGT, the list can go on for a while. While I recommend getting into all the volumes, Volume 2 features a lot of the underground, lo-fi, hypnagogic, and blooming vaporwave material that colors the current scene of chillwave, cloud rap, and internet nostalgia. I couldn't have written something, I could not have written something like that, so thank you. And... Another quote I have is from someone else on Tumblr that says, quote, Many may know the atrocious reputations Sewage Tape slash Interscape has, but these compilations will always stick out as an essential for the lo-fi and hypnagogic community and the Kickstarter of the careers of many well-known artists, DJs, rappers. This is also the starting point of Vaporwave as a solidifying community behind the scenes. These compilations include artists like Laserdisc Visions, Shisha, Good Amount, who ran Holy Page Tapes, Rollerblade, Aerial Pink, Teams, now known as Yves Tumor, Lockbox, Kitty Pride, Please, Boy Party, Christian Church, Magic Fades, Mary Dior, Main Attractions, and Suicide Year. Contributions to these releases come from labels like Oral Sex, Beer on the Rug, Sun Up Recordings, Alanthus Recordings, the Dior and Xerox groups, those are Facebook groups, Holy Page Records, one that's in a Cyrillic, so I can't pronounce it, and even a little ugly main contribution on the Volume 5 cover. So that came from the TVG Tumblr page. There's not a ton of information. I definitely want to learn more. I definitely want to do maybe a main feature on sort of the sewer grates and the early Facebook groups that gestated so much internet music. But there is one more thing that's actually from this time in Vapor Rave history that I wish I could find because it's disappeared. There's a release that came out on June 8th, 2012, and it is Veracom's self-titled album. It was released by Amdiscs, and it's a lost release. So if anyone has a digital copy of it, let me know. I want to hear it, and since there isn't much from this artist online, I'm kind of looking for anything. I've already listened to their SPF 420 set, but you know, they were around in the very early days of Vaporwave, so if you have any info or stuff I can listen to, send it over. I hope everyone has enjoyed this week's episode of Vaporwave News Network. I'm still looking for some contributors, maybe someone to do a barber beat and get me information on that scene, someone who can maybe help me with signal wave and things of that nature. You know, whether it's just sending information, reporting on specific subgenres, or potentially coming on mic in the future to help out. Get in touch with me on social media or through email. 
As always, you can find some of the albums and music mentioned in the episode notes. If you have anything else you'd like to submit to Vaporwave News Network, check out our link tree for submission forms. You can find that at linktr.ee slash Vaporwave News Network. We have a Twitter and Instagram profile where we post highlight graphics with the releases mentioned in each episode. So make sure you give us a follow and repost the content. Seriously, reposting the graphics and video clips really helps spread the word to other people in the scene. You can find that on Twitter and Instagram at VW News Network. So it's a little bit different than our email, a little bit different than the link tree. It's at VW News Network. If you want to get in contact with us, you can also do it through email, vaporwavenewsnetwork at gmail.com. I've been your host, Alex, aka Trucks Passing Trucks. If you want to find me or my label on social media, you can look up Pacific Plaza Rec. That's Pacific Plaza R-E-C on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. We're also the sponsor of the show, since we're going to have to start paying for stuff soon, but I am working on getting donations and other things set up. I'm not sure if I want to do like a Patreon or... Some sort of subscription thing. I, w- I would like to monetize this in some way. It's a lot of work to put together these episodes, a lot of research, a lot of recording and editing. And it would definitely be nice to get some support to pay for the hosting at the very minimum. I also have a Instagram page for my music and DJing shenanigans over at Trucks Passing Trucks, all one word. Like I said, I'm playing down in San Diego at the Whistle Stop on Sunday, June 18th. And I'm playing Yoitoki at the Don Quixote venue in LA for Anime Expo Weekend on July 1st if you want to catch me live there. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you tune into future episodes of the Vaporwave News Network. From our part of the vapor world, this is Alex, signing off until next time. Vaporwave News Network. Pacific Plaza. Plaza.